Hey ladies, welcome to the Losing Fat on Plants podcast. So happy to have you join me. My name is Jennifer and I'm a certified fat loss nutrition coach. I created this podcast for the menopausal woman who's maintaining a fully or partly plant-based diet, but is still struggling like I once did to lose fat because of cycling sugar binges. Menopausal weight gain is for real, and it's more than just calories in, calories out. Hormones, stress, and lifestyle are factors that can affect our appetite and complicate how we feel and behave around food, especially during our midlife. Come on, sister, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If your appetite has increased, you're craving foods high in sugar, and you can't stop overeating, then you're in the right place. Lady friend. Don't spend precious time feeling miserable about how you look and your weight. Instead, join me each week as I share evidence-based strategies to help you manage your sweet tooth on a plant-based diet while keeping it real. You don't have to give up your favorite desserts. Let me show you how you can enjoy sweets guilt-free while on your journey towards losing fat on plants. Hope to see you there. Take care. Hey, sister girl, I hope you're doing fabulous, staying blessed and grateful for all that you have, with all that's going on in the world lately, particularly in the Ukraine, we have so much to be thankful for, and we can just remind ourselves that we've been blessed with what we've been given, um, our health and the people that we love our homes, the clothes on our backs, and the food that we eat, all of which we sometimes take for granted. But because it all can be taken away at any time and quickly, it's that much more important that we treasure the time that we have right now and all that we've been given. So my prayers go out to them and their families. And speaking of the food that we've been blessed with, in this episode, I wanted to talk about why what we eat is more important than the amount. There are many methods to losing weight. One includes portioning your meals in order to control the amount of food you eat so that you ultimately consume less and lose weight quicker. The focus with this type of method is on the amount of food, the size of your plate or the number of meals that you have rather than the food itself. The idea is that regardless of what you eat, if you can reduce the amount you have, you can limit how many calories you consume. This makes sense. The less food you eat, the fewer calories your body takes in. But if you're menopausal and experiencing cravings, you know that it can be even more difficult for you to portion your food or limit the amount that you eat because of other factors that can affect your behavior, making it harder for you to stop eating. So in this episode, I want to talk about a sure fire way 
to reduce your calories without having to rely on counting calories or portioning your food while experiencing menopausal symptoms that can increase your appetite. First, I'm going to talk about what menopause is and what the stages and symptoms are. You may not even know that you're in menopause or starting menopause, and these signs and guidelines will help you know for sure. The second thing I want to talk about is what the science is behind fat loss and how do you apply the science to your eating habits. And lastly, how can menopausal women lose fat despite increased cravings and other symptoms that can lead to overeating? So after I discuss each of these points, I'm hoping that you stick around because at the end of this episode, I'm going to be discussing what I'm currently working on to help menopausal women satisfy their sweet tooth without sabotaging their fat loss efforts. So to my first point, what is menopause and what are the symptoms? I remember in my teens witnessing my mother having hot flashes. I don't remember too much in detail what was going on back then, but I remember she would mention how hot she felt and uncomfortable and these awkward feelings of embarrassment when she would break out in a sweat, especially in church. She would talk about how unnerving it is basically to go through the experiences of hot flashes, not being able to control them and feeling so exposed In my teens, my mother was in her early to mid forties. And I I remember thinking that at that time she seemed to be much younger than what I thought um, menopausal women actually were, you know, older women in their late fifties or sixties. I don't know. Now we know that menopause can start even as early as your mid to late thirties. In many cases, depending on whether you've had um, medical surgery or not, like a hysterectomy, but it's not the most common age. It's referred to as premature menopause, and it could also result from an illness or insufficiency of the ovaries. Typically, women start experiencing symptoms in their late 40s, but this is actually not the menopausal phase. The other day, I was talking to my sisters and my sister, Stephanie, who's a nurse was, um, was telling me after I told her I had been in menopause for quite some time or what seemed like, um, quite some time, she mentioned that there are actually phases and that people tend to confuse the menopausal stage with the perimenopausal stage. So, I decided to look it up and get more clarity as to what actually distinguishes the phases and how you'll be able to keep them apart. So let's talk about each of these phases and um, let's start with actually defining what menopause is. Menopause comes from the Greek words meno and pause. Meno meaning month and pause meaning to cease. So it literally means the month or period or cycle stops. 
it's somewhat misleading because usually when we use the word pause, we are implying that something will start again. But in the case of menopause or the menstrual cycle, the bleeding stops completely and it's not expected to return again. So menopause can therefore only truly be diagnosed when you've gone 12 consecutive months without any bleeding. And this is from the time that you had your last period. And this doesn't mean irregular bleeding. It means literally no bleeding at all. So in that case, if you're still having reduced or irregular bleeding, but are experiencing hot flashes and disrupted sleep, for example, then you're perimenopausal. You can even experience these symptoms for quite some time before your period completely stops, up to four years or so. Evidence shows that women can be in the perimenopausal stage for up to four years before they hit menopause. So until the irregular bleeding ends, your body is just transitioning. Now, the idea of menopause is a great concept if it only meant that bleeding stops. I mean, we would normally consider it good news because it means that we're finally free from all of the struggles and the mess that come along with the period or having to deal with the stomach cramps or any other symptoms like PMS with all the craziness of mood swings and the cravings it brings with it. But the reality is menopause brings a whole new level of crazy with it. I mean, why do we need to deal with hot flashes? What kind of conspiracy is this? And then of course, the cravings that should be finished with PMS actually stick around and in some cases are worse when you hit menopause. But menopause, unfortunately, does not only mean that the bleeding stops, it means there are a host of effects that are triggered with the hormonal changes that occur when the bleeding comes to an end. So what actually happens in your body when you go through menopause? How does the bleeding actually come to a halt? The bleeding stops when your ovaries no longer make estrogen or progesterone, which are needed for fertility. So the older we get, generally in our late 40s and beginning of our 50s, our body naturally begins to produce less and less of these two hormones until our ovaries no longer produce them at all and they're no longer releasing any eggs and fertility is no longer possible. So once you hit that phase, you're then considered post-menopausal. So you don't really know for sure if you're in the menopausal phase because until you hit the 12th month, blood-free, you still could get your period. So the irregular bleeding or perimenopausal phase often starts around the age of 47 and can continue up to four years from the time it begins. Symptoms can begin in this phase, but are generally less in their intensity. And it's important to note that women can still get pregnant in this phase. So unless you want to be waking up in the wee hours of the morning, nursing a baby during your midlife years, make sure to keep the love glove on or take whatever other preventive measures you need to take. Once your bleeding has stopped 12 months in a row, you have officially hit the menopause phase when the symptoms of hot flashes and disrupted sleep are more common. Other symptoms include mood swings, night sweats, racing heart, headaches, dry skin, 
vaginal dryness, lower sex drive, hair loss, and weight gain, particularly around the midsection. Any time after you hit the 12th month blood-free, you are in the postmenopausal phase. So after your bleeding stops for 12 months, you are postmenopausal. In the postmenopausal phase, symptoms can still continue between anywhere from five to 10 years. So in summary, you can experience menopausal symptoms such as hot flashes, sleep disruption, night sweats, and weight gain throughout each of the phases, but are only considered to be menopausal after the 12th month your bleeding is stopped. Before that, you are perimenopausal, and after that, you're postmenopausal. So now let's delve into what the science is behind fat loss and how do you apply this to your eating habits. In this day and age, we hear a lot from the anti-diet culture lashing out at the term food rules, quote unquote, because of its restrictive connotation. Not all women want to feel as though they have to follow specific steps to keep their weight in check. They want to be able to eat intuitively without any set guidelines other than those that support mindful behavior. And I totally agree with intuitive eating and mindful behavior. I believe we should feel liberated to eat in the way that relies on our internal hunger cues and in the way that best serves our actions and behavior. If your goal is to lose weight, then you obviously want to take action steps that will help you to behave consistently and in a way that you enjoy without feeling pressured or stressed out that you're not able to keep up with any steps or procedures. I totally get it. But the fact is there are science-based principles that determine whether or not you lose fat or you gain fat. And without keeping these principles in mind, you risk gaining unnecessary fat on your journey to losing weight simply because you did not consider how fat loss actually works. So many of us may already know the basic principles, but with so many fat loss schemes and products out there on the market, we may have gotten confused or brainwashed by theories that don't hold up to the science. Fat loss is determined by the law of thermodynamics. This is not a new age concept or trend. This is middle school or high school science. The law of thermodynamics states that energy is never created nor destroyed. It is simply transferred between two entities. That means energy flows in and energy flows back out. This is referred to as the energy balance which is the equilibrium between the energy that comes into our bodies and the energy that goes out. We measure energy in terms of calories. Therefore, it's the comparison between how many calories you consume versus how many calories you burn. We take energy into the body in the form of food and energy goes out of our bodies as a result of physical activity and movement, maintenance or rest for food digestion and absorption, and transport of food throughout our bodies. When we're in a positive energy balance, we have eaten more calories than we've burned and we gain fat. 
when we're in a negative energy balance, we've burned more calories than we've eaten and we lose fat. When our energy is balanced, we've eaten as much as we've burned and we maintain our weight. So everything as far as eating, sleeping, moving, exercising, drinking water, sitting at your desk, all activities that we engage in center around this principle of energy balance. We can think of the total net calories being the amount you end up with after consuming and burning calories within a specific time period. If you've burned more than you've eaten or spent more energy than you have coming in, then you will have a negative energy balance and a decrease in your total net calories. If you've eaten the same amount that you have burned or spent as much as your incoming calories, then your energy balance and total net calories will be zero. And if you've eaten more than you've burned, then your energy balance will be positive or more than zero, and you'll have an increase in the total net calories. So depending on how much you eat and burn, you will yield either a negative, a positive, or a zero energy balance. So how should we apply then all of this to our eating habits? If you want to lose fat, then foods with the least amount of calories are the best choices because they'll help you to keep your calorie intake low. These type of low calorie um, foods are non-starchy veggies, for example. And examples of non-starchy vegetables are broccoli, peppers, mushrooms, leafy greens like spinach, kale, or collards, cucumbers, celery, green beans, and onions. Now it's important to recognize that if you only eat lower calorie vegetables, you won't be satisfied. It's not enough to eat lower calorie foods to help maintain a negative balance. You have to be able to stick with it and you can only stick with it if you're fully satisfied. This is why adding starchy vegetables that not only add more nutrients, but much needed carbs and fiber to your meals as well, such as potatoes and beans, will help you to fill up and curb your appetite. Examples of starchy veggies are peas, legumes like chickpeas, kidney beans or lentils, potatoes and sweet potatoes, and corn. A basic rule of thumb to ensure maximum nutrients and satisfaction is to prepare half of your plate with a variety of low-calorie non-starchy veggies and the other half of your plate with starchy veggies and fiber. This will increase your chances of getting the most vitamins you need while at the same time filling you up but without high-calorie fats. So I'll dig deeper in part two of this episode next week in order to discuss why a mostly plant-based diet better serves you while you're trying to lose fat. But for now, I'll end this discussion about the science behind fat loss, basically, with a final point. That is the magic of the regulated eating window. So you can create a negative energy balance by setting a clearly defined eating timeline consisting of no more than eight hours. For example, With an eight-hour eating window, 
from like 10 a.m. until 6 p.m. in the evening. You automatically reduce the amount of food that you would normally eat in the evening after your last meal by closing the gate to any desserts or mindless snacking that you could potentially do even when you're full and not hungry. We often snack after dinner with a dessert or if we're relaxing and watching TV with chips or so, or even out for drinks with friends. If we don't set a clear eating window, we risk overeating and increasing our calorie intake. This is a secret ingredient to monitoring unwanted calories without having to count calories, measure macros, restrict foods that you love. You simply plan your meals within this time frame, which will automatically create a negative energy balance as long as you're eating lower calorie veggies and satisfying starchy foods instead of processed high calorie meals and treats. You can, of course, eat off plan on designated or unscheduled days but it's important to eat most of your meals within this window to ensure the maximum benefit. So now we have the basic science of fat loss and a couple of examples of how to apply it to your eating habits. Let's now consider how menopausal women can apply these principles in order to lose fat while experiencing symptoms that can lead to overeating. So there are a number of factors that are considered to be causes of menopausal weight gain. In fact, increased appetite or cravings is just one consideration. The first factor that I'm going to talk about is aging. As you age, your muscle mass naturally decreases anywhere from 3% to 8% each year. Research shows that both men and women lose muscle mass starting after the age of 30 with a significant loss after the age of 60. The reason why loss of muscle mass affects weight gain is because lean muscle mass requires additional energy to be maintained. The energy that muscles burn to function increases the overall amount of calories that you burn. So if you lose your muscle mass, the energy that you burn decreases and this gets less and less each year. Another factor is hormones. Estrogen is responsible for fat distribution and it regulates leptin, which suppresses our appetite. So when our estrogen levels go down during our menopausal phases, fat distribution is reduced. This is one theory as to why We women accumulate fat around our stomach during our change of life. And estrogen no longer enhances the expression of leptin, which means the release of leptin decreases and our appetite is likely to go up. Another factor for menopausal weight gain is disrupted sleep. Studies show that when we sleep less than what our bodies need, it leads to a dysregulation of the hormones ghrelin and leptin so that our appetites increase and our bodies lose the ability to signal when we're actually full. Studies also show that when we lack sleep, we're more likely to make poor food choices throughout the day. Although more studies are actually needed to understand the relationship between our hormones and sleep, Alone, those two evidence-based factors are enough reason for us to make sure we get enough. Another factor that I wanted to mention is mood swings. 
Studies have shown that the changes in our hormones also lead to depression, anxiety, and lower energy, which I can personally attest to in my own life. But how does this lead to weight gain? There are a number of studies, for example, an 18-year U.S. study in midlife adults, which showed that emotional eating was the link between depression and obesity, in women in particular. So in other words, emotional eating is the behavioral mechanism that we're likely to choose when we're sad or depressed. So that's just a quick overview of some of the factors behind menopausal weight gain. But how do we apply what we know about maintaining a negative energy balance to losing fat while experiencing menopausal symptoms? Well, we know that energy balance is about the relationship between calories in and calories out. As long as we maintain a negative energy balance by eating fewer calories than we burn, we can lose fat. But studies have shown that with menopause, there are other factors at play that affect our net calories, like the ones we mentioned. As we age, we lose muscle mass, which decreases the amount of calories that we burn at rest, which increases our total net calories. With the decrease of estrogen, we're likely to have more of an appetite as the hormone leptin decreases, increasing our total net calories. Lack of sleep, just like lack of estrogen, causes a dysregulation of ghrelin and leptin, likely causing us to overeat and increasing our total net calories. And finally, the mood swings have been observed to cause emotional eating, which can also cause an increase in our total net calories. So you may be wondering if the energy balance depends on the amount of calories from what I eat and burn, then it should be more important how much I eat instead of what I eat. As long as I eat fewer calories than I burn, then it doesn't matter what I put on my plate. It matters how much I put on my plate. But in fact, it does matter what you put on your plate because if you eat foods that trigger overeating or foods that are high in calories, then you'll have a much harder time getting into a negative energy balance and you'll end up gaining fat. That's why I've come up with a few tips for you as a menopausal woman to follow when preparing a meal to help you keep a negative energy balance. The first tip is let your hunger cues guide you. It's important when losing fat to avoid hunger at all costs, because when you're hungry and you don't have optimal food available, you risk binging on poor food choices. So only eat when your body starts to signal that it's time no later than that if possible. And once you eat, eat until you're satisfied. Not stuffed or uncomfortable, but satisfied. Hunger cues include empty stomach, growling, lightheadedness, lower concentration, and lower energy, for example. When you set a regulated eating window, you become more aware of your hunger cues Once you close your window and wait until your window opens on the next day, I'll get more into this in the upcoming episodes. You can also check out my free fat loss course. If you want to have more details on how to get started with setting your eating window, I'll leave the details in the description notes, but for now, be more aware of your hunger cues and allow them to determine when you should eat. The second tip is 
having food ready or quick to prepare when you're hungry. This will prevent you from choosing foods in a hurry that are packaged and processed and are calorie dense and trigger overeating. So meal prepping or batch cooking can help you ensure your meals are available when you need them and that they are low calorie and they're fulfilling. You're less likely to reach for poorer food choices when you already have food prepared. The third tip is to eat mostly low-calorie plant-based foods, such as non-starchy vegetables, which should make up at least half of your plate. The rest of your plate should be full of starchy vegetables and fiber that satisfy your hunger and fill you up. This will ensure you're in a negative energy balance and help you lose fat. The fourth tip is to eat mostly plant-based foods. When your meals are made up of mostly plant-based foods, you avoid animal fat found in meat and dairy products that are high in calories. This will help you to stay in a negative energy balance. The fifth tip is to not restrict treats if you have a sweet tooth. You should plan to indulge so that you do not binge and try to prepare your treats yourself so that you can control what's in them. Treats don't have to include refined sugar. They can taste just as good, if not better, with whole foods and whole food sweeteners that taste good but curb your appetite. And the sixth tip is to reduce or avoid refined foods, such as flour or sugar and oils, as much as possible and replace them with whole foods that better serve you. So that's it for the tips that I have, the science behind fat loss and applying that to your eating habits and how you can adjust your your eating habits when you're menopausal and you have increased appetite and cravings and you want to maintain an energy, a, a negative energy balance. I'm going to go a little bit further into detail in the next episode about basic eating principles, but I wanted to introduce them here so that you have already some action steps to start with that can already help you prepare better meals for losing fat. But before I go, as I promised, I wanted to mention what I'm working on to help menopausal women with the sweet tooth. Currently, I'm creating a mini ebook with a few of my favorite desserts that are made with whole foods so that you're able to satisfy your sweet tooth while curbing cravings. So this will be coming up soon. I'll alert you as soon as it's available, either over my Instagram account or via email if you subscribe to my website or in the description notes here on losing fat on plants. In the next episode next week, I'm going to continue with the basic eating principles, as I said, and, and how to improve your meals and your eating habits to guarantee that you're staying in a negative energy balance to help you lose fat. So thanks so much for joining me. So happy to have you listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please leave a review to help share it with as many more women we can who can benefit from it. Also, if you want to lose fat and don't know where to begin, head on over to my website and grab my free fat loss course to get you started. And I'll leave the description, as I said, in the notes. 
I look forward to sharing with you again next week. And as always, stay healthy, stay blessed. And remember, if you have a sweet tooth and you're trying to lose fat, guilt-free always tastes and feels better. Take care.